Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, we're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans Studios. They found a better way to mortgage so you can focus on making your new house home. Rocket Mortgage, push button, get mortgage. Our toll-free line, 855-212-4CBS, is brought to you by GEICO. Great news, you can save a bunch of money if you switch to GEICO. Go to GEICO.com, and in 15 minutes, you can save 15% or more on your car insurance. All right, Kurt Heelan joins us from NBC, Pro Hoops Talk. Uh, Happy New Year, Kurt. Hope everything's good. Oh, everything's great. How are you doing? Happy New Year to you, man. My man. So, um... What was your initial reaction when uh, David Stern had the uh, hemorrhage and the aneurysm and, and was in, uh, you know, grave health, and then uh, eventually here uh, he's passed at 77? Uh, when you first saw that he was sick and what happened to him, uh, you had to worry for him. I, I know I did, and, and uh, I'm not really surprised that this happened. It's very unfortunate. Yeah, I can say I— it was a shock when when the first news came out, you know, that he that he'd had the brain hemorrhage, you know, in a restaurant in New York. But when not only was there just limited news, but when you ask anybody about it, it was pretty clear this was really grave. So by the time um, the news came down today that he had passed, it really wasn't a surprise anymore. But it, it you know, from the day that we first heard the news, I think we all kind of started to reflect on on just how much he had shaped the game and how much he had meant to the NBA. Because when he took over in 94, I mean, sorry, 94, 19, you know, 1984, Magic and Bird were going at it, but that was still a, a fragile growing popularity with the league. It hadn't become the, the, the international global powerhouse that it was. And, uh, he, you know, he just totally shaped the league. So uh, seven teams joined the league, six relocated, uh, he created the WNBA. Uh, he was a you know huge asset there, and um, he developed the NBA Development League, the G League, yep. of course. And then um, you know uh, this guy was behind. Obviously, he had a huge impact on the Dream Team in the '92 Olympics. I mean, it yep. just goes on and on the things that he accomplished. He truly did make the uh, league uh, mega profitable and global. I think the second part of that is huge. I mean, yes, look, he would not have kept his job as long as he did if he didn't make it more profitable for the owners than when he took over. And that part of that was, um, you know, cleaning up some – A, is, you know, there wasn't a salary cap before David Stern, but the league was also the first league to drug test and, and deal with perception issues along those lines. But the second part of that, which you mentioned, is really, I think, what may ultimately be the legacy longer term – the NBA became a global league. I mean, the NFL is the bigger sport here in America, but the NBA has found a way. Look, they're just, it is now the preeminent basketball league in the world. The best players are there. It has the international draw. It has a huge fan base in China, which is you know, a whole other challenge issue, but I mean, huge fan bases in Europe. It has grown in a way that, you know, Premier League soccer or, or, you know, very, you know, other sports have, it's taken on that kind of a global brand. And 
ultimately, while the league will be popular in America, it's it's growth. It's also you know financial growth for these owners is in the international popularity, and Stern was at the forefront of that. So uh, Kurt Heelan with us, you know, he uh, turned. Uh, a league that was, uh, you know, with the television revenue at the time, there was literally no revenue into a almost yeah. billion-dollar revenue-producing uh, entity on television. It really is incredible what he did with, the, you know, the league in terms of television. Yeah, and he was the first person. I, I, the other part of his legacy that really lasts is this was – they weren't sure how to market this, and he was in marketing – got it? He was an iron fist in a velvet glove with the way he dealt with things, but he understood that the NBA could market its stars in a way that other sports couldn't. I mean, you can the sports a little more intimate in the sense that fans are close to the, to the playing feet, you know, the court in a way that doesn't happen in football or soccer or other sports. Plus, without without helmets, without something protecting their heads, you could see their faces, you could see their emotions. You got to know the players, and so they started to market the stars. It wasn't the, it was Magic versus Bird. It wasn't the Lakers versus the Celtics. And he understood that. He understood what Michael Jordan could be internationally, not the Chicago Bulls. And putting the players as the face of the league changed it, and and changed it for the better, but also made it so much more marketable. And I, I, he was part of the vision. He was the vision that saw that and what it could be in a way that I don't think many other leagues ever have. So, uh, Kurt Heelan with us from NBC. Uh, how about the way he handled the Magic Johnson HIV situation? Yeah. Yeah, that was a, that was a delicate situation. And then, you know, Magic comes back and some guys don't want to play with him. And there's the whole, you know, the all-star game that, that when he comes back. And I think he was progressive in the sense of trying to help people get a grasp on, on what was going on and, and guiding magic and helping guide magic to, to get people to understand what, what could and couldn't be done with that disease. And so he, he had a real vision for, and, and a real loyalty to those kind of, you know, those players in those situations. He was a, a great friend to a lot of guys and, and helped them through that, but he helped magic, he helped Magic, but I think you know, Magic certainly helped him and the league grow as well with that. Uh, how do you think uh, Silver's doing? I think look, I think Silver's done really well. It's, he's a he's a modern he, he's he's a modern CEO. David Stern, like I said, was was more you know old school authoritarian, my way or the highway. Adam Silver is a consensus builder, and I think that that fits better with a modern generation of owner and a modern generation of fan, and just how you run the business. But I will add this. In terms of direction of the league, I don't know that you're seeing a dramatic change from what was and what would have been. I think it would. There's some things that might have been different. Look, David Stern never dealt with, um, never dealt with um, Donald Sterling in the way that, that Adam Silver did. But on the flip side of that, I don't really think in terms of direction of the league, there's much difference. I think there's a style difference in how they handle things. But I think that in terms of where they want to take the league and, and, and the visions they have, it's pretty much a lockstep. Uh, Kurt Heelan with us from NBC. Do you think um, LeBron James will pass uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as the all-time wow. leading scorer in the NBA in the next few years? You know, I used to think no because that's just a ridiculous number. And, and, and you kind of forget that Kareem was 
knocking down sky hooks and scoring double digits like into his late 30s and 40s. And you're like, man, I don't know that anybody can do that as long. And then I watched LeBron play this year, Scott. And you're like, man, I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe he can. I mean, he's going to need a couple more seasons of high-level scoring to get there. But you watch him play this year and you think, yeah, he can probably get there. Like, there's nothing to see to think that he's somehow somehow going to dramatically slow down and not score. So, you know, he said in an interview the other day that it's within his, it's you know, it's in he's envisioning it. He can see it now, and I think that that changes things. And he's going to stick around for a few more years. I mean, he's made it pretty clear he, he wants to play with Bronny if and when Bronny enters the league in a, a few years. Um, I think he hangs around for a while. And I think that that record may fall. I thought it's, look. If you'd asked me that two years ago, I would have said, nah, no way he gets there. I kind of think he might get there. Do you think it's a good or a bad idea that they show uh, all of Bronny's high school basketball games on, on national television? Uh, I'm I'm generally not a fan of that. And Here's the thing. I, I, Ronnie's good, obviously. Like, this is a, a – he's a D1 player, right? Like, he's a high-level D1 player. He's going to be good. If you talk to scouts and you talk to people and you ask, hey, is he a pro? Is this guy a – he is not the highest-ranked kid in his class. Like, he's not I, – I don't know that he is a some sort of lock NBA star like he's getting treated. Right. Um, maybe he de- and maybe he develops into that. Maybe he doesn't. He's a high school freshman, Scott. I mean, we, we don't know what he's going to be. Um, he's not, But he's not the highest-ranked high school kid out there. And um, – there's interest, but I don't know if it's going to reach that level yet. And I'm not comfortable with that kind of hype being on any high school kid. I, there's other ones out there as well. And it's, just, it's always a little uncomfortable to watch guys become superstars and in a, in a certain level as, when they're high school freshmen and sophomores because right. – that's a long, long way from being a man in the league. Man. My uh, my son's in ninth grade. He's playing high school basketball. He uh, he starts. He's a point guard. He uh, they're not airing his games on, on national no. television. I think it's uh, very bizarre. I think it's all about his dad, and I think it's all about fame and yeah. money. And I think it's okay. a, a lot of it has to do with LeBron and Wade because his kids there as well. I think it's actually kind of um, it's kind of ridiculous. I think uh, you know I remember when they were showing his games uh, and when he was playing in Akron. I get it, but uh, I I can't even fathom that they're showing because they were like I, they they weren't showing his ninth grade games. They were they were showing no. him in his senior year. Uh, but I I don't I just don't believe in it. I think it's I think it's actually yeah. ridiculous. And it, I, maybe because of his father, maybe because of his situation, he handles this way. But not you know, from Stanley Roberts on through, there's a long history of guys who were like sure thing locks at that age who didn't pan out um, for a variety of reasons. So you know, hopefully he does. I mean, I, you know, I, hopefully he can pan it. He can develop into what he's he might be able to be. But I'm not you know I'm not sure what that is. <laughs> he's not his dad. I mean, as good, as good as he might be, he's just, you know, his right. dad is a, a once-in-a-generation player, and this is a lot to put on the, the shoulders of a, a ninth grader. You know, I'm watching him right now playing the signs are blowing him out. But the thing is, is that everybody keeps talking about L.A.'s the hotbed for basketball this year. Fair enough. But the thing is, every time, like, what, have I seen him twice maybe uh, play the Clippers? The Clippers beat him. I mean, Kawhi yep. Leonard and uh, – and George have their number. I don't care what anybody says. And I think Beverly does. I think uh, you know uh, the the uh, Montrez Harrell does. I think that uh, the Zubac does. 
I, I think they have their number. What I like better about the Clippers, as currently constructed, and both of these teams will evolve and change, and you know maybe maybe call us, you know reports are now that Darren Collison is looking at those two teams, and right. you know, we'll see what happens with Andre Iguodala. So both of these teams will look different um, come the playoffs. But as currently constructed, and as light is as mainly constructed heading into the playoffs, what I like better about the Clippers is that they're versatile. They can beat you a variety of ways. The, the Lakers don't have that, really. I mean, they're getting good play out of their role players right now. But they are essentially a two-man show, and they need other guys to step up, and they kind of have one way they've got to beat you. The Clippers can go small. The Clippers can go big. They've got such versatility with what they can do. And, and two-way wings are so huge in the playoffs. And the Clippers have two, if not the two best, two of the very best in the league. Um, this the versatility of how they can attack puts gives Doc Rivers so many options that I'd like them better in a playoff matchup. And you're right, they've won both games head to head, and you can make cases for you know, regular season games or regular season games, and you can make cases. But I just like the versatility and options that the Clippers have to win that series ultimately. I got to tell you, I was watching a lot of basketball uh, during the holidays. And uh, every night, and I and the guy I, the other night I watched a game. I, I don't know if you saw it. The game where the Suns won in Portland, and yep. uh, I, I thought I have to tell you, I think Booker. I'm watching him, then I get their ass beat. But that's not the point. My point is, I think Booker and the kid that really blew my mind watching him play was uh, Kelly Oubre. I mean, he is so much better playing with Booker and playing on that Suns team than he was playing in D.C. With Beal and Wall ball hogging and iso ball and hero ball, uh, he looks like a completely different player playing with Booker. I think Booker's really taking a step forward this year. Although, yeah, he got a lot of flack from myself and others about being a little bit empty calorie the last few years. Like he put up numbers, but they, were they getting them anywhere? This year, he's genuinely getting them somewhere. Part of it else is honestly they did a better job building out that roster. They finally put a real point guard next to him. Ricky Rubio is a legitimately good NBA point guard who knows how to run a team and set guys up and just and be a pro's pro. And suddenly, how much better they look. You know, Aiden's getting the ball where now where he could score. Aaron Baines looks fantastic. Um, you know, and they're, again, they're they're not as good as the Lakers. They're not as an elite team, but they look like a competent NBA team, which is a kind of hugely forward guy compared to where they've been the last few years. And um, they. I think that bringing in Rubio and just bringing in some veterans to go with them and teach them what it's going to – put them in better positions and teach them how to win has just been huge for them. It really has. And uh, what do you think of Melo tonight going off at the Garden? He, he was the leading scorer and had 26, and he was 11 of 17, hit three bombs, seven boards. Uh, they were cheering for him. Uh, it was a big night for him. Yeah, I could say he, it was a great emotional night for him to kind of – cathartic night for him, I guess, to kind of get that out and, and play well in a place that, you know, where the fans really accepted him and, and, and really welcomed him back. So it was so good to see. It's good to see him back playing, honestly, better than I thought he'd play. Um, this, he, he struggled a lot more in Oklahoma City and Houston, but they, were, they needed him to do different things and step up in ways that he, I'm not sure he can anymore. Portland just needed a body, man. They needed somebody who was competent and good, and it allowed Melo to kind of find his groove again. And he's he's looked good for them. He's he's been he's been a good good fit for them. Uh, you know, the problem is that they're that's not a great team. It's unfortunately for them, this kind of team that's 
they really miss Yusuf Nurkic. I don't think people realize just how good he was for them last year, and they're just not the same without yeah, him. Yeah, there's no doubt about that uh, for sure. But uh, I think he's been giving them really good burn. Always love talking yeah. NBA rack with you, Kurt. Uh, Happy New Year. Great stuff tonight. We'll catch up again real soon. All the best, brother. You too, man. Happy New Year. All right, Kurt Heelan of uh, NBC Pro Hoops Talk on a bench. You're listening to Pharrell on the bench. Uh, so a couple other uh, NBA notes. Uh, there's, you know, this optimism I'm seeing and the possibility that the Cavaliers would uh, pull off a Kevin Love trade uh, before the deadline. Uh, he's averaging 16 and 10 boards, double-double, shooting 37.5% from three, and playing a lot for the Cavs. And uh, it's three years left on his four-year $120 million deal that is what the problem becomes, right? It's all about that contract that he has. Uh, but there's um, – he wants to go to a contender. Maybe uh, Portland – you know, I don't think they're a contender without Jerkic. You're talking about – like, I watched them play. They blew that game against the Suns, right? Uh, at the Moda, no less. So they're beatable. They're, they're very beatable. Uh, they lost to the Knicks tonight in New York. It's embarrassing. Like, no one loses to the Knicks. Right, not, going to Portland not be, if you're a good team. Right, that wouldn't be to go to a contender. That's to go home. Yeah. But it's a contender or Portland. So, I don't know. Do you think anyone's going to make a, uh, a move for him? That contract is a big anchor to, to, you know, drag you down if you're trying to make that trade. I mean, you'd have to lose a lot of players in order to even have the salary. If he was at his top level like he was a couple of years ago, maybe, but I think with all the injuries and how he's playing well, but not enough to maybe, you know, even out what you're going to have to pay him or give up for him, I don't think so. So Zion and the Pelicans are hopeful for his uh, debut in January this month and expected to return to practice uh, shortly here into the new year. So he's been messing around, right? He's been shooting and the like so he's ready i think almost for uh, full contact and and playing i just wanted to say that um i got his shoes i think is what i got for christmas did you see those new oh you haven't played i forgot you quit playing so uh i i actually got a pair of his shoes or something air jordans or something like that they're badass. I got to tell you. Did you see a picture of those? I have a picture. I didn't of them. see the picture, no. They're really nice. They're really light. They're they're great shoes. I mean, so far, so good. I'm only scoring about 1,000 a game in them, at least. So it seems to not be a problem for me. Uh, I also got the new LeBron 17s Mafia, the purple ones. They are so nice. They're so incredible. You remember when I got the Kyries, the new Kyries last year at Christmas? I still haven't worn them once, not once. Have you converted that spare bedroom into just a giant walk-in closet for all your shoes? Yes, and I also uh, have now uh, a pair of LeBron 17s that I will not wear ever. They're so nice. So I would never even consider wearing them to play basketball in. They're so nice. But I wear all my old ones. I have a pair. Of, remember the Nick ones I have, the Nick Lebrons that the remember the bottom came loose. Remember, yes. so and then remember the other Lebrons I got that the uh, stitching, the sixteens, the stitching came loose. Yes. I just wanted to say his shoes fall apart for two hundred and twenty dollars. Can you say that on the radio? I mean, I have every one of his shoes. They're awesome. They're great basketball shoes, but they fall apart. I mean, that's just all there is to it. Like for two hundred and twenty bucks, they should last for two years. Because if you only play basketball in them when you play, like once or twice a week, there's no reason for them Two to wear years, down. They last longer than that. They should last longer than that. You don't even. I play in them once or twice a week. 
I won't even wear the Nick ones when when the the tread is falling off. Like it's like having a flat tire when you're playing. I right. like they're they've peeled off the rubber's peeled Ridiculous. off. It's the worst. I should start wearing them to work. But they're so obnoxious. They're the Nick colors. They're like uh, you know. The garden blue? Yeah, it's the it's that garden blue, like whatever, the, the nick blue and, and orange. Right. They're, they're really ugly. If I wore them here to work, I, people would make fun of me. Why do they make those? Is that just to tease us that, you know, that he didn't come a couple years ago? Like, oh, yeah, you thought you were going to get them. Here's shoes that well, yeah, he would have worn if he was at the garden that he yeah, never came to. I don't even know why they got them. I really don't. CJ in Knoxville, you're on a bench. Hey, for real, I was just wanting to know if I could get a double shot of Dr. Pepper. Can we get him a double Dr. Pepper? Check out a... The bar is really slow these days. Ever since the 360 machine went on strike, we've been struggling here at the network. Right. I just got two questions. Right. Um, one, how you think my Texans going to do? And uh, number two is uh, I'd take a, I would take MJ or AI over LeBron any day. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, that That's your opinion. Fair enough. So I, there's a lot of people that would take LeBron James uh, in, in that uh, scenario. I thought Allen Iverson was awesome, but he's no LeBron James. I mean, Allen Iverson was a great player. There's no denying it. He was a stud. He was a badass. I loved his game. He really was magnificent. But um, LeBron James would go right through him. Like, right through him like he's toilet paper, wet toilet paper. And then uh, LeBron, you know, and, and Michael, we could do this all day, so I'm not going to do it. I'm right. just, I'm not going to do it. And how are your Texans going to do? I don't trust them as far as I could spit. The fact that I'm, you know, uh, having to struggle with that game because I don't trust them. I, I actually think the Bills can go in there and give them problems, right? I think the Bills are actually... As good, if not better, than them. I, I really do believe that. I'm not even making this up. I could care less if Carver High's in here. I bet on the Bills all the time. I think they're a dangerous football team defensively, right? Offensively, decent. Not great, but decent. They can move the ball. They can score touchdowns. They're not boring. They are aggressive. They run the ball. They pound the ball. The quarterback takes off running, and they throw it. So I don't have a problem with them, and their defense is wicked. Uh, I think the Texans are uh, very capable of laying eggs. I really do. But I do think their quarterback and, and Hopkins, the receiver, are very dangerous. They have a major edge of quarterbacks. They, they do. They do have an edge of quarterback. I'll give you that. Nice pass by the Baylor quarterback to the other team. I mean, honestly, the water boy would have picked that off. Ever since the uh, quarterback went out, when the quarterback went out uh, with the concussion or the back injury, whatever it was, they were doomed because the backup quarterback came in and he was absolutely atrocious. You're listening to Pharrell on the bench. All right, get on PharrellOnTheBench.com for all my wild card picks and all throughout the playoffs, all the way to Miami. Get every game, every play of everything that's happening. Plus, you get everything else, pro and college rack like no other, hockey, killer snacks, boxing, MMA, every big fight. Uh, the best price, the best picks, the best return, PharrellOnTheBench.com. Sign up today. You're not going to regret it. Hide the money from your wife. Speaking of fights, I'm already hearing, Carver High, that the plans are uh, falling into place nicely, conveniently, for the return to uh, see Wilder Fury 2 
at the MGM in Las Vegas, February 22nd. We would be doing a February 20th and 21st Thursday, Friday double shot from the MGM in Sin City for the Wilder Fury 2. Those plans include Carver High. Yeah, I'm really excited for it. Uh, that first fight was incredible. Uh, being in the MGM Grand Garden Arena for that Pacquiao fight over the summer, can't even imagine a huge fight like Wilder Fury 2 in that arena. Uh, the buzz will be there. I'm excited for that. We're, Mafia, weren't we just at a fight? What was the fight we were at? We just had Wilder Ortiz 2. Oh, that's right. <clears throat> so we went there with uh, Greg Giannotti. We did. We were sitting there front row with him and his buddy. I'm surprised that that fight is at the MGM, that they didn't put that at the T-Mobile. That's going to be you know, huge. It's still, they love that arena. It's a great fight arena. There's just no getting around it. It's right in the uh, casino. You don't have to go all the way up the street to the MGM's uh, T-Mobile arena, which is, you know, that's a you nice little half a mile. The New York, past the New York, New York, back there. Behind you got to cross you. over the strip. Yeah, you yeah. got to walk a half a mile. You that, know what that means I immediately have to do. I got to check the night schedule, right? Where the Golden Knights play. Oh, we might have to check it out. They probably have a game going. That's probably why it's at the MGM, because there's probably a game at the uh, T-Mobile. It's, fr- it's Saturday, February 22nd. I'll bet there is. So, speaking of hockey, I got to tell you, I was very upset when... Uh, Golden Knights are home that night. Of course. Who are they playing? Florida. With, against Bob? So, the T-Mobile wasn't available. Right. There you go. So... Uh, but they're still Islanders out. in town on the 15th. Gonna miss the Islanders by a week. Ugh. That's a disaster. Uh, I was really upset that Gensel uh, got hurt and had uh, shoulder surgery, right? So he crashed into the boards against Ottawa on uh, New Year's Eve. Was that what it was? Yes. So he's out now uh, for the season, I would think, right? Four to six months. I mean, he's... yeah, they said he's done for the year. He's done. That's terrible, wasn't he? He was leading them in points. He was like their best player, right? So that's a brutal injury for them. Do you think they can recover from that? I mean, a Crosby will be, uh, he's back on the ice practicing. Do you think that Crosby's return, Carver High, will alleviate the pain of the loss of Gensel? Because Gensel's a great player. Look, it's the one thing about them, you know, even when they lose guys, now it's piling up here and they do need Crosby back, they still win. I mean, they're a point back in the Islanders for second. They actually went ahead of them. They passed them. And then the Islanders jumped back over them when they beat the Capitals yesterday. But, I mean, they don't lose. Even with guys out of the lineup, nobody in the Metro loses and the Penguins are one of them. It's crazy, right? What did you think of that hockey game today? It was a fun game. I thought that the Perry was the right call, throwing Perry out of the game uh, very early. Yeah, with the he, elbow. wasn't he throwing elbow? Yeah, and uh, Nashville capitalized. What was that game. all about? What did he just ring somebody up? Yeah, he rang up um, uh, Ellis, I believe, the defenseman Ellis on Nashville. That's right. And then uh, Dallas pressed late in the game. They got four goals, took the game over, and that was that. Really cool atmosphere. I think there was like, so, wait, they were down 2 nothing and scored four straight. Yeah, Nashville got up 2 nothing in the first. And uh, really looked like a really cool atmosphere. The fans were awesome. Um, I thought it was a really nice choice by the NHL to change it up, go away from the same seven or eight teams that they Didn't always they meet put in the, the playoffs in Dallas yes, beat them. they had a great but series last what year. What has happened to that team? They're 11th in the West. They've lost three in a row. 
And ever since, let's face facts, ever since they lost to the Penguins in the Stanley Cup Finals, and then Subban left there, they have gone to hell in a bucket. Right. Well, the year after, um, I think they won the President's Trophy. They got they got bounced in the second round by uh, Winnipeg, if I remember correctly. Right. But um, you know, it's just been it's been that steady steady decline since losing that series. It's so and it happens to a but lot. How of about teams. that crowd at that Cotton Bowl? It was awesome. I thought the crowd was. Was that really the biggest cool. hockey crowd ever? No, second, the big house, the uh, one they oh, did. Oh, the with, one, hundred thousand. The one they did with uh, the Red Wings and the Leafs at the big house is the first. But this is now the second. Was biggest. that what was that? A hundred thousand at that yeah, hockey yeah, game? Yeah, yeah. Now next year, well, Minnesota, at least next year, was, Minnesota. Well, at least there was a good game in the big house for once. Thanks. Um, the All Star Game rosters apparently have been announced. They have. Full lineups for all uh, four divisions have been uh, released. Some of the names I'm seeing here, Pasternak, Tugaras, Jack Eichel, Tyler Bertuzzi, Huberto, Shea Weber, Anthony Duclair, Victor Hedman, Frederick Anderson, the Leafs goalie. I saw him the other night. Austin Matthews made it. Central Division, Patrick Kane, uh, Nate McKinnon, Tyler Sagan, Eric Stahl, Roman Yossi, Ryan uh, O'Reilly, uh, Jordan Bennington and Alex Petrangelo of the Blues. Hellebuck, the uh, goalie from Winnipeg, and uh, Shifley. And then Metro, you got uh, Dougie Hamilton, Seth Jones, Corpusalo, Palmieri. I like Palmieri's game. Barzal, that's your boy. Uh, Panarin, Breadman, uh, Konecki. Is that his name? Travis Konecki, is that his name? Uh, and then uh, Gensel made it, but he's not playing. John Carlson, Braden Holpe, and then in the Pacific, Silverberg of the Ducks, Kemper, Coyotes, the goalie, uh, Matthew Ketchuk of the Flames, Giordano of the Flames, Connor McDavid, uh, Dreisaitl, what a name. I love that guy's name, Dreisaitl. And then Kopitar, uh, Logan Couture, El uh, Elias Peterson, and Marc-Andre Fleury made it. There you go. That's the all-star rosters in the NHL. Very exciting stuff. Uh, two of the other NBA stories, uh, Hachimura of the Wizards, the rookie, out several more weeks with a groin injury. Never comfortable to have onion problems. Darren Collison is considering an NBA return in February. He wants to play for the Lakers or Clippers. How convenient. Who doesn't? Is that like the Patriots? Everybody goes to the Patriots. Now everybody goes to the Lakers or the Clippers. There you go. How about this? The Suns were down. Were they not down 30? They were getting absolutely whacked in the first half. Absolutely whacked. Do you know they're down nine right now? They were down 30. Now they're down nine. They were getting 11. They're covering. Can you believe that? Uh, I have to look. I think I actually took them with the number. Do you think they'll cover is the question. They were getting uh, 11, I believe, because I have a massive gambling problem. I took, oh, wait, it was uh, Lakers minus 11. I actually laid it. I need the Lakers to score some buckets here. 109.99. Now it's a 10-point game. There you go. They were up 30. Now it's 10. Go figure in the NBA. I see your boy uh, Rubio leaving with a foot injury, limping off the court late in the game. Another guy who's always hurt. So I don't know what's going on here. Is this actually – these are uh, replay-itis highlights? So right now it's 109.101. So there's still two minutes left, and the Suns have fought all the way back. 
And Georgia won the game and covered. I hit the double cover there, money line and spread. Georgia 26-14. I hit uh, Oregon uh, to win. They did not cover. I, weren't they laying three? I think they were over Wisconsin. And then, um, is that right? I think they were. Uh, oh, wait. Was, was Oregon was getting points? They were getting two and a half. Oh, sweet. Double cover there. Check out. Ooh. And then double cover with Alabama. And then I lost the uh, Minnesota game. But I think I went um, six, six and two in the bowl games today. Sorry. Sorry I got those two bets wrong. You know, sorry. Don't worry about me getting the six right. Let's just worry about the two I got wrong for the people that get all worked up and lathered up about my picks. Sorry. Sorry on uh, the national championship day, uh, the semifinals that I went eight and oh. Sorry about that perfect day I had for you. So uh, I just wanted to evaluate a couple of things here. We're actually back on the air here on January 1st. If you remember correctly, Mafia, we started the network eight years ago. We were the first show on the air at at exactly midnight, I think we started. Absolutely. We did not start at 10 o'clock. We started at midnight, believe it or not. That was when the uh, network began. Do you remember that? I do. I was here that day. So I did a two-hour show that day. We did, yeah. And then the next day forward, we started doing a four-hour show. So... Here we are again, uh, eight years running, doing a show on uh, New Year's night. In fact, even before we started, we were the ones here like working the tweaks out before the network kicked off. That there were issues, you know, I remember the first, we had like a practice couple shows before that, you know, where it's an hour or two, and things screwed up, and that we pointed them out. So by the time we're here the next night, everything was changed, and we're doing it completely different because we worked everything out. We figured it out. So, but we've been here uh, since the beginning. And then founding I, members, founding fathers, and then uh, and now here we are in year eight, uh, starting the year off with a bang with the first show. And then is anybody else here? Was anybody here today doing shows, or was everybody out? Like everyone the whole was out. everyone was out except me. Pretty much. There you go. Once again, Pharrell setting the standard to start the year off, stepping out of my boundaries of. Two weeks off. I could have stayed off forever. You know what I mean? Like, I was getting really used to doing nothing. I was really good at it. I was professionally doing nothing, and I was very proud of that fact. I enjoyed every minute of nothingness. Gordon, your wife, you had 15 years of that practice, doing nothing. I've been with her 20 years, so you're telling me I had five good years? Well, yeah, the first couple, you know, you got to earn that, that trust, that respect, and you know, you got to keep her still interested. And then you said forget it. So, I got it locked in. Oh, so now 15 years of doing nothing. There you go. 110-103, Lakers up on the Suns. I cannot believe they blew a 30-point lead. That is crazy to me. And now they're not going to cover. You know they're not going to cover it at 11, right? That is crazy. How do you blow that lead? You just lay down and tank. That's what you do. So uh, did you see the beautiful sky at the Rose Bowl tonight with that game? It was all pink and gorgeous. Carver, you've never been to the Rose Bowl? I, I I don't like the Rose Bowl. Why is that? I got a problem with it. It's ruined college football. So I don't like the Rose <laughs> so Bowl. So the Rose Bowl's ruined college football. It has. Those semifinal games should be today. They should be today. Every and year, then, and then the, national and, semifinals should be New Year's Day. I don't have a problem with there that. There used to be seven, eight, nine so, bowl games. So you New believe Year's that Day. it's their fault, the Rose Bowl's fault? For oh, that. I don't believe it. It's a fact. It's their fault. <laughs> So even when it's like uh, just the the I was talking about the beautiful pink sky above the Pasadena at the Rose care. Bowl. 
That you also refuse to cooperate with. And here's another thing. The game means nothing anymore. Unless, unless every three years. That was a great game seven. today. Who cares? <laughs> I enjoyed it. I'm I won so a double bet that. on that game. You know, you're not happy for me winning a double bet? I had Oregon. Well, then how do you not enjoy watching your bets cover? You're just grumpy. Mavi, it was a beautiful sky above Pasadena. I have to say, one, one of the greatest events I've ever been to uh, in my life was multiple Rose Bowls. And I drank beer there. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.